It had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the talk film society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mathur. In each episode, I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies from classics to modern hits. My guest today is Murtada El Fadl. How's it going? Hello, Manish. It's going great. I'm so excited to come on your podcast and talk to you about this movie. It's so great. Yeah, me too. Uh, This movie is one that's definitely been... uh, thought of as a you know 90s classic would you like to introduce the film for us today yes we are talking about four weddings and a funeral the movie that launched hugh grant in 1994 and also starred andy mcdowell and kristen scott thomas and was the first of several romantic comedies written by richard curtis which include Bridget jones's diary and love actually and others yeah, so do you remember the first time you saw this film? Yes, I saw it when it came out. I was a young, impressionable teenager, and <laughs> this was my favorite movie um, at that point. And yeah, I saw it then. So when you first saw it as a teenager, did it immediately become one of your favorites, or is it a film that's grown with you over the years? No, it immediately became a favorite. I just loved it. I thought it was very funny. I thought it showed you a way to behave as an adult. Um, you know, little did I know. But um, right. <laughs> And I just thought everybody was charming, and I liked it. And I saw it several times. And also there, there are things you remember. Like I remember, for instance, it was the first time I ever heard the word skulk. Where, you know, in that scene where she, where she says, let's skulk around. No, he says... Um, I maybe we'll just skulk around and I was like what does that even mean and I just yeah. liked the word and it's a word that I have since used many times um, so definitely Four Weddings has had an impact on me and it was an immediate movie that I love and I still love it I just watched it to talk to you yesterday and apparently I remember almost all lines of dialogue because I was like talking with them as they were doing it so I love it and I've seen it many times although not recently yeah so I have surprisingly uh, only seen it recently uh, for the first time and a couple of months ago and I say surprisingly because I've known about this movie almost since it came out I mean I was a, lot, a little younger than you I was probably about five or six when it came out and um I so, but it's just a title that has just been stuck in my mind. I mean, it's a great title, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, and it's one of those titles, and I kind of knew what it was about, kind of, but not, it just it wasn't a movie that I was able to catch, you know, as, you know, when I was that young, I was definitely too young for it. And then I just, you know, was always kind of missing it when it was on streaming and stuff. So, um, I recently saw it when it was on. It was on. It was on Netflix or Hulu or one of those sites a couple months ago, and I watched it for the first time. 
and just totally fell in love with it. It was so clever and funny, and it's one of those romantic comedies that I like because they feel more full. They're more like... Um, they take a sort of wider lens on the characters, not just the main couple, but, you know, all the friends. And, I mean, it's definitely a star vehicle for Hugh Grant. I definitely want to talk about him as, yeah. an, as an actor and movie star. But this also feels very much like an ensemble movie. I mean, you have, you know, all these great sort of British character actors like Chris and Scott Thomas and James Fleet and Simon, Simon Callow. Callow. Yeah. So John great. Hanna, all these people, yeah. David Bauer, of course. And, um, and of course, Andy McDowell and someone else I want to talk a lot about. Um, but so I, I, what I appreciated was that this movie felt like a story about a group of people, like a group of friends mm-hmm. and not just focus on the romance. Yeah. I like that too about it. And I, and also it's, it concentrates on this group of friends. Yes, they are the characters that we follow through all four weddings and the funeral. But also there are a lot of minor characters that you meet along the way that you follow their story. Like guests at the first wedding become the bride and groom in the second wedding. And there are so many of these stories that you... Smaller characters that you sort of follow through from one wedding to the others. Um, And I like that about the movie too. And I think the relationships between the friends are like you get the dynamic you you get the dynamic even though it's not very fleshed out like you don't know how they met or what their relationship is really to each other but you get their dynamic like you get who likes who and who maybe is like not that close to the others and 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 that's very clear in the performances and in the writing yeah well i mean richard curtis um, he is, I mean, as you mentioned, he's one of the best in this sort of British romantic comedy genre. You know, he, of course, did Love Actually and Notting Hill and About Time, like three movies that I think have really, I mean, Love Actually, of course, but like, the you know, a lot of his movies have become, you know, very iconic in sort of our age group of these sort of millennials. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I actually don't like Love Actually. I think that's not a good movie. But I love this one, and I definitely love yeah. Richard Jones's Diary, which he yeah, also right. And he kind of sort of writes movies about himself because the character of Hugh Grant here is kind of sort of maybe a Richard Curtis stand-in. Um, I think definitely some of it, uh, the movie with Donald Gleason is that called In Time. About time. About time. Yes. So that one was also sort of like you could see his writing. This is maybe a relationship with his dad or something like that. But yes, he's good at writing romantic comedies for sure. Yeah. So I want to talk about the sort of the opening of the movie because it's very, very funny, especially with the repeated use of the word fuck. Yes. It's (laughs) a very memorable opening. You're straight into the story. Also, it's because it's such a great title. It's Four Weddings and a Funeral, so you know what you're going to get. And then the movie starts with that title card that this is the first wedding on May 1st. And you're just like, oh, we're in it. Let's go. So it's a really clever beginning. Yeah. And um, I I was reading online earlier about how um, this movie got into some trouble with, like, I think it's like censors or just maybe just the studio and how... There's just, it's a lot pricklier than, you know, the standard kind of 90s romantic comedy would be. Although, I, 
Although I feel like the 90s rom-coms got kind of a bad rap and not being as prickly, but most of them are pretty, like... There's, like, an edge to them. I think this movie definitely has an edge to it. And the characters are messy, they make mistakes, they're, of course, they're, you know, they're kind of dumb, but... Or they make bad decisions, but at the end, they're just so relatable and lovable, and you kind of see yourself in them. Uh, I definitely saw myself a lot in Fiona, <laughs> played by Kristen <laughs> Sky funny. Thomas. <laughs> you know, she's sort of like the spirit animal for me of this movie. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Why yeah. did you see yourself in Fiona? Just like, you know, like, so like kind of sarcastic one, the one who's kind of like, you know... I mean, I definitely have had experiences of falling in love with people that I'm friends with and, mm. you know, watching them from afar, all that, you know, nonsense. But <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean Kristen Scott Thomas is definitely like, she, I mean, as much as I love Hugh Grant and Annie McDowell, like she's the draw for me in this movie. Like she, I was really excited to see her performance yeah, because I really yeah. love her, her work. So maybe I just glommed onto the actress and just related the character through her. Yeah, yeah, she does give the best performance. And yes, this yeah. movie was a big breakout for Hugh Grant because he was the lead and he was charming and cute and it made him a star. And that was like he had he made other movies that were much smaller and this was definitely his big breakout. Um, and I don't think he would have the career he has today if it was not for this movie. But you're right. Kristen Scott Thomas is the one who's most memorable. She's the one who, whose performance is more grounded. She's the one who's real. Like you can feel that this is... A, a real person as opposed to you know what Andy McDowell is given which is I don't blame her at all it's definitely the worst performance in the movie but yeah. it's also not a character she's just playing the sort of beautiful girl or the sort of like unattainable woman and so it's yeah. not a real person at all while Kristen Scott Thomas is playing a real person so the writing helps her give this performance while it really does not serve Andy McDowell with this being such a great ensemble movie I mean these characters all have so many great moments together and you know Andy McDowell plays Carrie she's sort of the outsider of the group yeah. like she's she's an object of affection she's not really a part of it and um, even, like, the way this movie kind of frames her arc of going from, like, it's kind of flirty to, like, mar- engaged and married to someone else and then, you know, stopping someone's wedding, it's, it's sort of like she's – we don't really get to see that interiority that we get to see with the other characters. And no, uh, Like, even when the film yeah. tries to give her a scene of her own – and yeah, it's a scene where she and Hugh Grant go and have coffee, which is one of the few scenes that are not at a wedding on a funeral. And right. then the scene just she just rattles off all the people she slept with and what she. Yeah, it's kind them. of a very strange scene. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think it's funny because yeah, it's really funny. Like, I, mean, I definitely enjoy watching it, but. I just, I've never experienced someone just rattling off all their partners when on a date with them. <laughs> but I'm also not dating Andy McDowell, unfortunately, so. I think that scene is funny because she is giving it charm, but it doesn't yeah. really give us anything more about the character. Yeah. It doesn't shed any new light about the character. Yeah, exactly. And um, I also feel like she's just... She's not as like messed. I mean, she's she's very messed up as a person, but like not in the same way that like our like the main friends group is. Like this movie, it really gets at that sort of like middle period of your life when you're definitely an adult and definitely you know on your own and you know figuring out your life. But um, 
still just have no clue what you're doing. And I feel like Andy McDowell always presents herself as someone who knows what she's doing. So she, she doesn't fit in with the rest of the ensemble in that way, in my opinion. And uh, also the fact that she's the only American, she's being written by a British person. So I feel like there's some, some kind of disconnect there. But I mean, I like... Yeah, I mean, her, yeah, thera- her yeah. character is that she's beautiful and is American, and that's it. Yeah, and yes, that's it's really definitely it. yeah. the writing. I mean, people can write people from other nationalities. We're all human. But it's just that he makes her only characteristic is that she's American, as if that yeah. is supposed to be a shorthand for something. And it's not. Yeah, Geography is not character, Richard Curtis. <laughs> no, I also want to talk about... Um... Uh, Gareth and Matthew played like Simon Callow and John Hanna because I I feel like this was it groundbreaking at the time to see like a partnered gay couple that's just like normal in this film like I mean I don't I, I, no, I, I can't I, quite I actually, get into that early nineties I mean I know, did mindset. see it in the nineties but I don't really yeah. remember if that was groundbreaking I assume it was because the way they are presented is. You know, it's a big revelation to their friends after Gareth died that, oh, we never realized that we have a married couple within our um, within our midst. And then there is the line about that Gareth that Matthew says about Gareth, which is like he was more into funerals than weddings because he thought he would have a chance to participate in that. And it's all of these things and they never sort of say they're gay, although it's obvious. But it's sort of groundbreaking, maybe, but it's also very retro. Like, that wouldn't happen today. Everybody would be out. Everybody would be gay. Yeah. It wouldn't be like this thing of like, ooh. But there is a little bit of ooh to it. It's like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. I know that... That ooh that you're saying is like makes me like kind of gag sometimes, <laughs> but in this movie, I mean, in this movie just works because it's just so charming. I mean, it's like I you know we can sort of nitpick at this movie a lot, and there's a lot to talk about, but it's also very sweet and um, and relatable and, and funny, and yeah, witty, and it has yeah. a lot of memorable lines and memorable scenes. Like I think I already talked about the skulk scene, but I think that first wedding scene between Andy McDowell and Hugh Grant where the whole thing which starts with a comedy thing where she's trying to hide from a man at the inn, an obnoxious man, and and then they meet. It's very sweet and romantic and she meets him in his room. It's very sweet and you know, you don't see that a lot in rom- in romantic comedies where you there is this mix of like high concept comedy followed by a sweet sweet romantic moment and yeah they managed to do that really well in that first wedding um what are some of your favorite scenes or lines in the film i love the line that i actually have said in real life which is there's a certain greatness to your lateness which is a very good line you can quote that to anybody who's late um i also like um basically everything that Kristen Scott Thomas says, like, I love this aside where she says to, this is early on in the, in the first wedding where she says to Scarlett, who is their eccentric friend, who's really into the, uh, the bride and how she looks like. And she's like, oh, she looks lovely. And she says, just, she throws this line. She's like, Scarlett, you're blind. She looks like a meringue. <laughs> That's a great line. Um, 
I've always liked um, the character Charles, and uh, he has this really great uh, speech. I just found it on IMDb. Oh, sorry, sorry, Tom. Sorry, he's talking to Charles, and uh, like he says, I never expected a thunderbolt, which I. I really like that line because it's a very kind of sweet way of saying that, you know, love doesn't have to be this sort of grand thing. And mm-hmm. even though this in this movie it is kind of grand, I mean, that we can talk about the climax in a bit, but um, that, like, this... Again, like, this movie just has this, like, sort of normalcy to it. And, and so I really appreciate that because, like, it just feels like a movie where you're just hanging out with, like, your friends and... Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that Tom has that sort of mindset of just like, you know, I just want to meet someone and like how they look and hope they like me and get married and stuff. And then, of course, like the funny part of the line is when he's like, it worked for my parents, except they got divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, but I mean, I kind of, I mean, like that line to me just really cements sort of the feel of this movie, the vibe of it is that yeah. it's just normal people going through these sort of normal situations. And like a lot of romantic comedies have a very, um, I don't want to say outlandish because I don't like that word, but have that sort of like bigness to it, whether it's like these contrived situations and stuff like that. And this movie just has the sort of normal thing of like, you know, you're going to a wedding and you meet someone and then that's, you know, you meet them and then you're with them. Um, but it's funny, like, um, so I like this movie that captures the sort of feeling of like people and they're like, 30s or whatever, how they like are always going to weddings, and that's very relatable. But um, I realize that most weddings I go to are family weddings, where um, like I just it's so foreign to me that like people go to like your friend's wedding and then like hook up with someone <laughs> random like that because you know every most weddings I go to my entire family there, so I would never like it would never even occur to me to like hook up with someone, although I'm sure it's happened to other people and so like yesterday i was counting how many like weddings i'd been to without my family and it's only a handful and um i was just thinking like even then like it would just be so like strange to like for me at least to like go and like hit on someone at a wedding but i mean i know people do it but um so i was just thinking like this movie has that like like watching these like adults go to like so many weddings where they're just um, like meeting people and like falling in love and hooking up and stuff is just so unique to my own experience because I have not experienced that. Although I know it, I know it's not as unique as I'm making it sound. I mean, sometimes at weddings yeah. they do sit. Um, yeah. You know, when I when I used to be single, they would sit all the the singles together, and that's like a way yeah. to meet. Um, I've met other singles, but I've never hooked yeah. up with anyone, if that was the question. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, but <laughs> feel free to share. It's a safe space. Um, uh, yeah, most weddings that I've been to, like, I'm usually stay, like seated with, like, cousins. Or even, like, my friend's wedding, like, I'd be seated with, like, other friends and, like, mm-hmm. people that I wouldn't, like, see as, you know, other single you know, prospects. friends of the bride, yeah. you can see yeah, friends of yeah. the groom. That's always something. But, you know, in the first wedding, also, what I really like is the speech that Charles gives as the best man, because he was the Mm -hmm. best man at the first wedding. And it's very funny, and it's poking fun 
at the groom, ribbing him a little bit while also being funny. And then he does say something profound about how he's in awe of people who make that commitment to be married to each other. And it's a little bit of a window into the character early into the movie, but also just a funny scene. And I think that's Hugh Grant as his best in that scene, showing us his charm and the way he delivers lines. It's really, really good. Um, And that's, I think, when you can literally watch that and be watching Hugh Grant becoming a star. So, um... Maybe we could just skulk around here for a bit and then go back down. Now, that's a thought. I don't usually skulk a lot, but I suppose I could skulk if skulking were required. Do you skulk regularly? No. No, I don't, I don't normally think of myself as a, a skulker, but... Uh... Well, why don't you come in and skulk for a while, and we'll see. So I noticed the bride and groom didn't kiss in the church, which is kind of strange. Where I come from, kissing is very big. Is it? Yes. Well, I, I think you're right. I think we are probably more reserved, you know. And you may now kiss the bride isn't actually in the Book of Common Prayer. I always worry I'll go too far, you know, in the heat of the moment. Uh-huh. Well, how far do you think too far would be, then? Oh, I don't know. Maybe that would be all right. Yes, I think that would be fine. In fact, it might be a bit dismissive. Maybe this might be better. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think it would be dangerous to take it any further. Uh, I mean. Um, Let's let's go to Hugh Grant, right? So this movie makes him a star, and like immediately, he like becomes sort of the like like romantic leading man for everyone's kind of like sex symbol, dreamboat, what have you. And um, what are your thoughts about Hugh Grant's career and you know his his kind of film roles after this and some of the persona that he's uh, made for himself? I mean, he basically continued to play Charles for two decades after this movie, right? right? (laughs) And I think a lot of people think that that's just him. And I guess a little bit of it is him. But when you do see him as himself in, in talk shows or something, his wit is a little bit more adventurous than this. Because here, his wit is very wholesome. Um, and he's a little bit more caustic. (laughs) as himself but I think he paralleled that and he's sort of you know he's been compared because they have the last name to Cary Grant 
I remember yeah. a lot. He's not as good as Cary Grant, but he is a very good actor and he's very charming. And I like him when he plays a cat. I think his best performance is not here, but is in Bridget Jones's diary, which he's, he's taking Charles and making him the villain. It's the same charm. It's the same uh, sort of witty banter, but also from somebody who's kind of an asshole. And I think that mix is, is when Hugh Grant is at his best. Um, I really enjoyed him recently in that TV show with Ben Wishaw. Um, a very English scandal. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. What do you um, think of him? I like Hugh Grant. I mean, he, I wouldn't say he's one of my favorite actors, but definitely like I'm like looking at his IMDb page and being like, yeah, I like this movie, I like this movie, I like this movie. So he's sort of like been a lot in a lot of movies that I like. Um, for example, like. Florence Arthur Jenkins I like and um, uh, Two Weeks Notice and Music and Lyrics Bridget, I mean, Bridget Jones as you mentioned um, and uh, of course his best performance Paddington 2 um, about a boy like all these things like he's oh he's great about a boy yeah, about yeah. Boy he's really great and uh, I like you know I like what you say that he kind of has you know when he had that like caddish you know qualities to him because like as charming and sweet and kind of befuddled he he always might be like there's definitely some sort of you know like uh bittersweetness to him and i think that comes across in this movie a lot as well and it's very easy to see how he um became you know a movie star from this role because it's he kind of plays that like perfect kind of fantasy of a guy in that he's like Romantic and has and has that like in love with love quality to them, and like wants to you know pursue you know a relationship and but he's not as like sappy or like spineless. He's a little bit of a commitment phobe, which is yeah, a bit of a mix to give him something yeah extra exactly for like him to play like like someone who's like a serial monogamist but also a commitment phobe, which is like kind of an interesting like mixture of character traits to give a to give an actor and so I, and he plays that pretty well and i to me i found myself very charmed by him and i was like man if i was in this movie i would definitely be <laughs> be uh trying to trying to chase him but yeah i mean definitely a, a you know really great performance and um i mean i would love to see him do another romantic comedy like this i mean i know like in the 2000s he kind of struggled with that you know he had like did you hear about the morgans and um other he definitely kind of stretched the, the rewrite comedy. and stuff yeah i mean he definitely has like stretched some but i would definitely love to see him work with uh richard curtis again or mike newell i mean um yeah and um i was reading somewhere the on Wikipedia that um, Richard Curtis was like hesitant to cast um, Hugh Grant because uh, he thought that he was like too handsome and like wouldn't have trouble with women which I thought was kind of an interesting <laughs> note to give but ultimately um, he oh my god sense sensibility how could I forget that's also another great performance so, and that's another one where he's so charming and you know does that kind of famous like kind of stuttery like line delivery but um i I wouldn't say there is any edge in his role in sensibility but can i say something here sure 
Um, I don't actually like him in sense of sensibility. Oh all. my I, god! I Cancel think, the podcast. <laughs> I think he does. He does not belong in that movie. The stuttering thing, the whole thing is way too modern. It doesn't fit sense and sensibility. He's an island in that movie. He's not in the same movie with everybody else. Uh, that's I think his worst. He uh, probably gives the weakest performance in that movie, but I mean that movie also has an incredible cast. Yeah, that movie is great, uh, and I love it. Yeah, I just don't yeah. think he's. I, I can definitely see that. I mean, definitely, like, he was cast to sort of modernize that character who's not, I mean, not really the most lively character in the novel, if I remember correctly. And so, like, they wanted to make him more of a, you know, romantic. I mean, they wanted to cash in on Four Weddings and a Funeral, which makes sense to me. Uh, business yeah, absolutely. But I can see how it's not a totally accurate portrayal based on the novel and sort of the tone of that movie. Um. And oh, other other casting things that I thought was interesting is uh, for the role of Carrie, I read that they wanted um, Jane Triplehorn or Marissa Tomei or Sarah Jessica Parker. And I think Marissa Tomei would have been probably the best of the of those three, and probably would have made Carrie a little bit more memorable. I don't um, know. I think Carrie is a failure of the writing. Like. Yeah. It's just not a well-written character. I don't think anybody could have done anything with it. Andy McDowell has, like, a few years before that, she is amazing in Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Although yeah. that's probably her only great performance. She's not a huge... Like, she's not an impactful screen presence. But I don't like to blame her for this movie. I like to blame Richard. No, I don't just... either. I mean, yeah, it's definitely the kind of... Um... Definitely the kind of role that's hard for any actor. I mean, I, I do like. Andy I just McDowell. want to say one thing. Yeah. Like in the ending, where she has the most impossible line to deliver, one oh. of the most impossible <laughs> lines for an actor to ever deliver, where she's soaked in the rain, where she's been standing in the rain for hours, and she has to say the line, "Is it raining? I hadn't noticed." And I'm just like, what? Like. And nobody can do it. She couldn't do it. And I don't think any actor, Marissa Tomei or any other actor, could have done yeah. anything with that line. <laughs> okay, let's talk about this line because, like, I, I guess when I watched this movie, it did not register as, like, that weird of a line. But I was so swept up in this movie that I probably just didn't notice. And uh, I was on some, like, Facebook, like, film group thread and the prompt that one of the people on the thread was like, what, is, what, are, what are the one of the worst lines in movies that you can think of? And a lot of people mentioned this line, which I didn't even know is that controversial. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a corny line. I mean, it's kind of like, it's oh, so how corny. like obvious. But to me, like as someone who loves these sort of corny, you know, romantic comedy lines, you know, I kind of was into it. And I didn't know that it was that thing and then i was also reading another article about this movie and in the comments or sorry in in the article itself they mentioned the line and in the article they mentioned this episode of um pop culture happy hour with camille Nangiani, who loves this movie and i will talk about that as well and um how he he thinks that people don't like the line because like people think that she's actually saying she didn't notice it was raining which sounds totally bizarre to me because like it's such an obvious like joke line which I, I mean i don't know but i don't think people think that she i don't think so either the rain but i just yeah think i think she's just being like cute but it's like a really weird line i guess when you think about it um and the other thing is like i also was reading something about this where um they said that like 
uh, having her say I hadn't noticed versus I didn't notice might be an issue because like hadn't isn't really something that Americans say. That seems to me like more like a British turn of phrase than not that I know anything about, you know, how British colloquialisms or English phrasing, but like, I mean, that made sense to me. Like, I, I guess I wouldn't say I hadn't anything. I would say I didn't. But, as, I mean, like, I guess that's what I was getting at earlier when I was saying that it's kind of a disconnect between, like, her being American but written by British people and directed by British. Because it just seems like like maybe sometimes in her dialogue or the way she, like, speaks or, like, the, the jokes that she's given or, like, the lines that, like, it just seems a little off coming from an American. But... I don't know, maybe I'm just overthinking the, these things. I mean, there's just things that I've read, read in my research of it's the movie. It's just a bad and, line. It's such a bad yeah. line. It's just badly written, badly delivered. Yeah. Yeah. Almost ruins the ending of this beautiful, gorgeous, funny movie. Very witty, but, but that line is totally not witty. I do I do love the ending. And, no, I like the uh, ending, but that I mean, line the, the wedding terrible. scene I really love, and the whole the build-up to it, and um, how it comes from... The uh, the brother David played by David Bauer, who's like I think probably one of my favorite characters in the movie, um, just because he has such a like it's it's such a strong like brother relationship that they have, and like I love the the like the conceit of it being translated sign language. Like I find that to be like a, like. Um, kind of like romantic in a way just is like the way they do it so i don't know do you like what are your thoughts on the sort of this, the wedding sequence and and the end i like the ending i mean i like the conceit that i really like is that we get four weddings and two of them are of the main characters but not to each other which yeah you know yeah. when you hear four weddings and a funeral and it's about this couple who keep meeting at weddings you sort of imagine that the fourth wedding is going to be their wedding their, but yeah. actually they both get married or almost married to other people and i thought that was a clever conceit and i like that about the film and i think yeah the and that's what makes the ending sort of pop in that yes we saw it she was marrying somebody else and yes we saw he was marrying somebody else but now they get to be together and that is really good it, it and they're not even the gonna movie. get married it seems like they're gonna be like partnered which i find very kind of a cute little ironic thing it's like a movie that's you know the wedding's in the title but they're not even gonna get married and then yeah. like there's not some like cute thing where like at the end it's like five weddings and a funeral you know <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be awful but i could totally see that happening in a lesser I mean, maybe in the 90s, that was like clever way of like saying something like, oh, let's not be married for the rest of our lives. Yeah, but yeah. in fact, now so many people live together and never get married. So yeah, that I don't think that lands as clever as it landed in 94, but it still works for the movie. So, you know, I did mention that Kumail Nanjiani is sort of like famously a big fan of this movie. You and like when he was. Sake. I love that too. Yeah. And like when he was promoting the movie, he talked a lot about how like this was his favorite movie in when he was in Pakistan with, uh, growing up there because he also came to America when he was. Um, it must be, I think he was like in his either late teens or early 20s. And uh, which I, I think it's interesting how like this this I mean this movie was a global box office hit, um, but yeah he talked about this movie a lot and how he like styled himself after Hugh Grant and <laughs> you know definitely I can see the influence of this movie in The Big Sick because Absolutely. it has that sort of same thing where it's like it's a romantic comedy and it's about you know it is about a love story but 
there's so much more going on within the world of this movie. There's so much there's so much attention paid to the ensemble. I'm a big fan of The Big Sick. What did you think of it? I love The Big Sick. And yeah, I love... It's a great, the, great film. And I love the joke yeah. in The Big Sick where he shows us his picture with Hugh Grant's hair. I thought it was yeah. a very good joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love that Kumail loves this movie. And I totally thought that Kumail should have won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Comedy for The Big Sick, just like Hugh Grant. I know. And it's, I mean, like, The Big Sick is, like, I think, like, one of the best romantic comedies of the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. And I and I love that, like, like to me, like, watching Four Weddings and Funeral, I definitely thought a lot about The Big Sick. And just, I could just trace how it, how it was an influence. And I love that he, you know, I love that Kumail is such a rom-com fan. And that he and his wife love them and talk about them and put it, you know figured out a way to kind of capture the spirit of this movie without, you know, making it an actual, you know, remake. And that's yeah. also a movie about a couple breaking up and being having a messy relationship and dealing with their family and friends. So yeah, it's um I just, you know, now when I think about Four Wings and Fury, I'll think about Kumail Nanjiani, which I mean, no offense to to this movie, but I just you know, I, I it's very charming that this movie has such an influence on him because it's a very yeah. charming movie. It is a very charming movie, and I know I've talked a lot about. You know, I don't like I don't like the Andy McDowell character, but I think even though the character itself is not written well, I think it it just works in the film because the film yeah. is really about Charles and his friends, and she's just there to sort of be the foil for him to create yeah. um, a romantic interest and romantic obstacles. But the movie is really about him and his friends, and it really works because of that. It works because all the friends and the relationships between them are well-written and well-played. And because Hugh Grant is just so charming and all the situations they find themselves in are really charming. And all the other smaller people who fall in love, like I love the horny couple who meet in the first wedding and then become the bride and groom in the second. Uh, Oh yeah. Very funny. They're some of my favorites. And that's Sophie Thompson, right? Emma Thompson's sister who played I believe so, yeah. yeah. She's so funny in that part. And, you know, I love his brother who meets the girl, who meets him at one wedding and then goes and learns sign language because the brother is deaf to come and speak to him at the second Uh, wedding. So there is all of these follow-throughs that you go from one wedding to the other. The stories of all the minor characters develop as you go. Yeah, yeah. And, um... I also like thought it's like kind of a funny detail of how like Harry's husband is some like weird old guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, like you know, like it'd be kind of easy to make him just sort of like a sort of bland, handsome guy that's just like not even a real like interesting character yeah, I mean, or like funny thing, but it's just like some random guy. And there um, are a couple of things there that the movie does that are very obvious. So they, they want the audience to take sides. So yes, to your point, they make her husband older. So it's like no competition. Of course, everybody would want to see her end with Charles. So when she ditches her husband or divorces him, you're with her. And the same thing with the woman who Charles marries in the fourth wedding or almost marries. She's presented at kind of flighty, kind of maybe creating problems for him, too much into him. And then in that wedding scene, she is presented as sort of an asshole because she says to her dad, you know, not so tight dad. And she is 
just shown as somebody maybe not we, that we should not sympathize with even though what he does for her, which is literally leave her at the altar is, yeah, it's crazy. So I think it's another sort of romantic comedy trope in that the allegiances of the audience are clear. He, it's, they're giving a signpost. You should be with the main couple and yeah. you know, it works. Yeah, it definitely works. Um, uh, what do you think about the career of, um, uh, Mike Newell. We kind of talk about this movie as being like a Richard Curtis thing, and, and definitely he had a lot of influence in it, and this kind of movie has become sort of his staple. Um, but what do you think about, you know, Mike Newell? Like, he's done movies like um, Pushing Tin and Mona Lisa Smile and the Harry Potter, you know. I mean, he doesn't, hasn't really had, like, an amazing career, but do you have any favorites besides from Forwardings and Funeral? I think it is his best movie. Um, yeah. And I think he is a director, maybe, who doesn't have a particular stamp, but that, you know, is not nothing against him. Another movie that he made that's really, really good is Donnie Brasco, with Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. That's yes. a great movie, which I think he made just a few years after Four Weddings. Yeah, I think that was either his next movie or the one after that. Yeah, I mean, I think those are probably his most um, kind of famous movies. I think he's done a lot of great work as a producer. Um, but, I mean, I'm not even a fan of his Harry Potter movie, and, like, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's kind of... Yeah, he's an okay director, but he did win the BAFTA award for Four Weddings and Funeral, which I found. As best director? Yeah. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, he did. And Color uh, me he, surprised. Um, I feel like he probably beat some really interesting directors. Uh, yeah, he beat Tarantino, yeah, Zemeckis, Forrest Gump, and uh, Pulp Fiction. I remember, Manish, for a while, this movie was the biggest British movie of all time. Yeah, I mean, this movie, like, huge, huge hit. And um, it's so funny because, like, I mean... I guess, like, the closest romantic comedy that got, that made that as much money recently is, like, Crazy Rich Asians, but I think, hit, I think that hit 200 million worldwide, but, I mean, like, yeah, it's just, like, it's crazy how, like, we don't really get romantic comedies that sort of sweep the box office in this same way. But they did in the 90s. Anymore. They did in the 90s, yeah, it's just a different time. Yeah. Yeah, I always think of like you know two thousands, like the two thousands being the downfall of the romantic comedy, and they're coming back, but it's just not the same as it was. Not that I was like going to see movies as like an older person back in the nineties. I was still very young, but um, it just feels different, you know. And I kind of wish I had that experience that you had of like seeing this in the theater back in the nineties, or seeing you know. Mm-hmm like Pretty Woman or, you know, you've got me any of those, like these classics back yeah. in the day. I mean, one of the best of the 90s, I don't know if you've done that on your show yet. Have you, did you do My Best Friend's Wedding? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Um, that's one of the first few episodes I've done on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, that's another movie that I wish I had seen. I mean, I saw that very soon after it came out. I'm sure we, we rented it from, you know, Blockbuster. But, yeah, I mean, like, even that movie is just, like, huge. And, like, topping the box office, like, for the year, you know, it's just, like, I don't know. I just feel very wistful for this era just because, I mean, I, didn't, I just feel like it's just, you know, when you look at, like, the box office totals for the entire year and just, like, what's, like, the top ten, 
it's just a little depressing. And that's kind of a cliche thing to say nowadays, but you know. I mean, the '90s were 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 a great time. Be- the Best Man was another great one that I loved. Yeah, yeah. So, do you have any final thoughts on uh, four weddings and a funeral, or anything you want to bring up? I I love the funeral scene, and the funeral scene. What I love about it is that. You know the movie is not overt, overtly gay, and even the 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 friends who are gay are presented in this very sort of asexual way. But I like the cutting in the. First of all, there is a, a poem from W. H. Oden, who's a well-known queer poet. They use the word bugger, and then there is a lot of cutaways to men in the funeral who you can assume. Not that anybody looks gay, but just because they are at a funeral of a gay person, they're probably his gay friends. So I like that, even though the movie is not overtly about that couple, that they made space for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would never call this movie a queer movie. I mean, obviously it's not, but it is kind of an interesting thing when movies of this era chose to, you know, have queer characters and the sexual part of it yeah is a little a little retrograde but you know maybe back then it wasn't and um yeah i mean when you're looking at it now it is a little yeah great exactly yeah the it's stuff little... we talked about earlier like how they're presented but they yeah. did make space for the odin poem and they did yeah know, so i like that and it made me you know look him up and read his poetry which is one other reason to like this movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this definitely is a film that I can easily recommend to people who have not seen it. Absolutely, um, it's so and, good. Yeah. It's on YouTube. Go before somebody finds out and takes it. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it was on Netflix, and I think it was on Hulu for a while, but I think it's left those platforms. But yeah, I definitely it's the kind of movie that is very reassuring and charming and sweet and wonderful and very funny um and so martada so i want to ask you this before we finish up here so you are you know you do a cape lunch at podcast now have you come across any of her movies that you would classify as like a more conventional like romantic comedy because i can't think of any no so she, she doesn't have... do romantic comedies and even yeah. romances she's not somebody who's big on romances in her career yeah. um i think she's only done two the best of them all carol and <laughs> and um benjamin button with brad pitt but yeah. she doesn't really do that a lot i mean i would love to see her in uh, kind of i mean she's great in comedy as we've seen mm-hmm. i'd love to see her in a romantic comedy but it has to be with like a Daniel Day Lewis type. How do you like what is like a Phantom Thread type romantic comedy with like more like edgy and serious and weird? And I mean, she is. I, I'll tell you why. She probably is not interested in them because, and yeah. this is back to like in the 90s when you look at the parts, unless you were Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock who have a certain persona, the parts written for women in romantic comedies in some of these ones, like, yeah, maybe Billy Wilder in The Apartment, that's a great part. But like this Andy McDowell part, it's not a great part, so it probably doesn't entice like an actor of stature to take it on. Yeah, that's what you kind of had to get Andy McDowell. That's probably (laughs) why like those other actors that I mentioned turned it down because... You know, it just wasn't 
really enough for them. People listening to this, we love Andy McDowell. She's yeah, really I mean, cute in this movie. XXL, is... I, okay, <laughs> I probably would have given her a Best Sporting Actress nomination for Magic Mike XXL. I mean, she's great in that movie. She and Jada Pinkett Smith are amazing in, the, in their roles. So yeah. I like Andy McDowell a lot. I'm glad she's thriving on Hallmark or Lifetime, wherever she is now. But yes, no, she's a great actor, but she doesn't. You know, couldn't quite rise above this role. Yeah. Yes. So, Mercado, where can people find you online in your amazing Kate Blanchett podcast? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at M-E underscore says, and you can find the podcast everywhere you find podcasts. It's called Sundays with Kate. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Sundays with Kate. And we do... We did a season of 13 episodes, so we covered movies like The Aviator and Elizabeth and The Talented Mr. Ripley, and our new season just started. We're doing three episodes on her Oscar-winning role in Blue Jasmine. So listen to those. Yes, definitely do that. Uh, great, It's a great podcast. I'm really enjoying it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at TheManish89 and follow the podcast at It's Hard to Be You. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe to help people find this show. Matata, um, thank you so much for doing this podcast. I'm really glad that you mentioned Four Winners in Zero. It's great to watch and think about again. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me. Sure. And so, listeners, thanks so much for listening. Bye. No